Cynic Empowerment. Welcome, everybody. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Ooh, man. Jimmy, we have quite a spicy episode. So, so spicy. And as we usually state with most our episodes, uh, Tim and I are not experts in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) We are laymen. We are just relaying the information we were able to find at our fingertips on the internet back to you all. And the subject we are presenting to you all today are epidemics and horrible, awful diseases that have plagued human beings. Some of these since what feels like the beginning of time, some of these in yep. fairly recent history. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Uh, and we're, we're going to go back uh, a little ways. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody is aware of all the terrible disasters that have uh, plagued humanity <laughs> <laughs> that's a little that's a little epidemic joke for you <laughs> not, not really it's just absolutely terrible uh all of these diseases are terrifying uh and in the years in which they uh ravaged societies uh these were some of the leading causes of death i mean that's that's why we're talking about them right now uh in fact i think that might be a good way to start off what, what are the leading causes of death in the modern world Let's see. Uh, I think I... It depends on where you live. If, if you are fortunate to live in a first world country where you live for a long period of time, your, your, your scary diseases, causes of death are going to be things like heart disease, uh, cancer, uh, these kinds of illnesses that take uh, a long time of uh, developing within your body, maybe not living diabetes, uh, not uh, living uh, the most active, healthy lifestyles until your body just kind of gives up and stops working the way it's supposed to. Where yep. if you're living in a third world country where you don't have the liberty to uh, be living these unsustainable Western diets of sugar and carbs and stuff like that, you're going to die from, uh, unfortunately, a lot of... Uh, preventable diseases uh yep. even things such as diarrhea can be extremely deadly to young children if they're not equipped with appropriate uh sanitized drinking water yes absolutely um now heart, heart disease is the leading cause of death in both high and middle and low income countries so okay. that's something worth noting uh and stroke is number two also the same in both countries okay uh, i'm getting a lot of my information from webmd so everybody take that with a grain of salt uh like jimmy said earlier uh in the episode we're not experts so everything that you hear here you know don't don't go and you know bet your medical degree on it or whatever um but after that point uh after heart disease and stroke the list changes quite a bit because then you go from lung cancer uh, in high-income countries, mm-hmm. and you know I don't I don't want to make any allusions to any prolific uh, industries that have been highly successful in the past I don't know 50 years or so, but I would say that cigarettes and tobacco use probably has a lot to do with those high death counts from lung cancer. Um, now, on the, if you're looking at low and middle-income countries. Lower respiratory infections, AIDS, and uh, newborn conditions are going to be your next 
most prolific killers. So these are things that uh, in, in some instances are, are treatable. Now, HIV and AIDS is one of those that is not necessarily uh, – I, I think that you can, you can suppress some of the symptoms. But, well, of course, it's not curable. <laughs> right. It, it's kind of a situation from what I understand from what I was reading is where HIV is if you if you catch it early on and you start seeking treatment, you can postpone HIV from becoming AIDS. And so the distinction there is HIV is I have the uh, it stands for uh, human immunodeficiency virus where it's going to have a negative effect on your your cells in your body where it begins to take them over and make them not behaving the way they're supposed to mm-hmm. um but with with medication and other treatments you can you can prevent that from becoming AIDS which stands for acquired immune deficiency syndrome where this basically completely destroys your immune system and makes you susceptible to things such as the common cold and other uh what we consider mundane illnesses become extremely deadly to an individual who is suffering from AIDS yeah uh in, in fact the majority of people that that die from AIDS don't necessarily die from AIDS itself, they die from something like pneumonia uh, mm-hmm. or other infections that the body is not able to fend off mm-hmm. because, you know, all of their, the body's police had just been crushed by this, this terrible virus. Um, uh, it, and that is also one of the more, more recent uh, epidemics that surfaced in the 1980s, yes. uh, ha- has infected somewhere, you know, upwards of 60 million people. Uh, and has caused somewhere around 30 million deaths. So it's, uh, it's definitely hurt a lot of people. And uh, something of note, uh, it's going to affect people in sub-Saharan Africa more so uh, than many other areas in the world. Uh, do you know why exactly that might be, Jimmy? Well, sub-Saharan Africa is an extremely impoverished place in the world, so they don't have the infrastructure and things that are needed to prevent these diseases. Uh, even things as basic as influenza, the common flu in America, we don't even really think about it as something uh, to be afraid of. But even in America, unfortunately, flu, if it's contracted in small children or the elderly, can and does kill. And even here, uh, 9,000 to approximately uh, 15,000 people die from it each year. But in places mm-hmm. in such as Saharan Africa, where they where there's no treatment options, people unfortunately uh, it gets spread a lot worse, and people ultimately uh, die because of it uh, due to these lacks of infrastructures and money. Because you think of something like as basic as like, oh, I'll go get a flu shot for free at a CVS. Well, that's not going to be a, an option for anyone living in sub-Saharan Africa. No, I, I found an interesting t- statistic in, in relation to that. Okay. Uh, most of the time you hear uh, AIDS, uh, well, HIV and AIDS in conjunction with diseases like malaria mm-hmm. because they are some of the, the fastest spreading and uh, most, most, pertinently, most pertinent to focus on in the modern day, especially for sub-Saharan Africa and their difficulty in treatment and the, you know, the causes, or excuse me, the the problems that they cause to infrastructure, um, but just above 
malaria is tuberculosis, which still is a problem for many low and middle income countries. And the reason why I bring that up now is because uh, the amount of money that it costs to uh, have this preventable treatment to ensure that people are not going to contract tuberculosis and that it's not going to be communicably spread mm -hmm. uh, is around $200 per person. Oh, no. Many low and middle income countries can't afford that. So that's why it's still a problem there. So you, you actually need to, uh, I think, uh, let's see, is it streptomycin? Streptomyosin is the is actually um, belongs to a class of drugs known as aminoglycoside antibiotics, and that's what they need. They need a, a treatment of that in order to get rid of the TB and you know so on and so forth. And in fact, if you start to treat, so like if you get a certain amount of money mm -hmm. and you start pumping it into these areas in order to treat these illnesses, mm -hmm. uh, tuberculosis in particular, and you stop the treatment for whatever reason, maybe the the funding got cut then the tuberculosis will turn into something totally different and it will become resistant to a lot oh, of those drugs. oh no yeah so it becomes much more dangerous oh so it's kind of like with doctors now they're trying to not use antibiotics as willy-nilly because they're creating like these super yeah diseases because it becomes you know it's like oh you have like this really not very mundane sickness you'll probably cure it on your own but then the patient's like no i want some drugs to cure it so they yep. over prescribe and it yep. becomes a big mess oh god so that's happening with that oh yeah and there are other ways to prevent these illnesses like malaria in particular of course is spread by mosquitoes right so having a mosquito net over your bed mm -hmm. is going to be a great way to uh prevent that disease from being spread at least to the capacity that it is currently. Right. And that doesn't cost hardly anything. I mean, think about it. It's a net that goes over your bed. Right. Like how and not to mention, like, why why are we as, you know, members of wealthy countries not doing more for these types of efforts? Like, if there are countries around the world that are still experiencing uh, diseases that we in the first world have not seen for, excuse me, it's not I don't think it's necessarily kosher to say first world. It's one of those terms that's thrown around quite a bit, but mm -hmm. it's probably better to say, you know, like higher income world or something like that. Developed countries. But we haven't had to deal with this for many generations. I would guarantee that if you went to a middle school today and you started asking kids, you know, what is what is tuberculosis? What is smallpox? What is what are all of these diseases that you know, sub-Saharan African, uh, African countries are probably still familiar with, or at the very least, you know, they, they probably know it by a particular name because it's still killing people around them. Right. Um, I don't, you know, it's complicated uh, because money is spent. I, I got a statistic here saying that, uh, um, you know, America is one of the top donors for uh, trying to help prevent these illnesses. And you think of uh, entrepreneurs such as, um, Bill Gates, who is a philanthropic uh, individual who likes to spend money on um, resources to try to help these areas. But at the same time, I think, unfortunately, at the end of the day, why these things aren't ultimately being uh, cured in their fullest extent is there's not really any profit to be made from it. Uh, it's fucked up to say 
but it's just unfortunately the tune that the entire world kind of you know walks to these people don't have money to pay for the services uh so uh companies and places trying to develop things to, to cure it there's there's not that that dollar incentive value it's more uh incentivized to create you know a viagra pill to treat boners right <laughs> or like something to stop uh pattern male baldness like those things target things that people in first world countries want and have the will to to pay for them mm-hmm. <laughs> where uh in these situations it's not it's all you know for mm-hmm. the goodness of your heart <laughs> yeah and and you have to keep these kinds of countries in mind and all these people that are being affected by uh antiquated uh diseases and bacterias uh, because all, all it takes in order for these people to continue to die or for this disease to continue spreading is just to put that out of your mind, pretend that it's not a problem anymore, and bada bing, bada boom, you're not going to see these people. You're not going to know when they die. You're not going to know if you know their families are losing loved ones left and right due to this you know unforeseen circumstance that's just you know happening to come out of nowhere and sometimes has the worst symptoms that you can imagine. Uh, I mean, like if you if you look at the symptoms for any of these and we'll go into more detail in, in these later because we're going to be talking about uh, some of the, the terrible things that can happen to the human body in general. Um, it's just it's a horror story for everybody involved. Uh, uh, whatever. I, I digress. Um, it's just bad. It's bad stuff, Jimmy. Very bad. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? What am I, the head of the World Health Organization? What am <laughs> I, the 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 Center for Disease Control? Well, it's not my pay you're not, grade. You're not Bill Gates, that's for sure. Right. If Bill Bill Gates hasn't even figured it out yet, and he's stacked. How am how am I the layman? I mean, obviously we we would need a mass concerted effort of going into these areas that are most ravaged and Mm -hmm. just giving out vaccines to literally every single individual, which I have absolutely no idea how much it would cost uh, because (laughs) millions of people are infected (laughs) every year. So it would, it would be it. And then if you're like, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers of the number of people affected with tuberculosis, but I'm sure you could just go over that alone. Like, number of people infected by tuberculosis, you know, $200, multiply the two, that's how much it would have costed to prevent it, right? Like, that would be like a, a bada-bing, bada-boom kind of way you could see, like, in an yeah. isolated way how much that would cost. Actually, we can. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, people have been being saved from tuberculosis since 1905. Do you know who uh, who discovered uh, tuberculosis? You know the guy's name? Bonus points, man. I know. I, I suck at trivia. Well, he's he's actually the uh, I think the great grandfather of a couple of the wealthiest men living today, uh, Robert Koch. Damn it. Yeah. No, but he's a good guy. <laughs> I, I think that there was there, there was one article in particular that like tried to draw like a, a line between them or something like that. So I'm not entirely sure if they're they're 
intimately related, uh, but I'm pretty sure he's like a great great grandfather or something like that. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, not necessarily important. Uh, his uh, he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1905 mm-hmm. uh, for his discoveries relating to tuberculosis, and he okay. actually discovered a couple of other important uh, bacteria as well, like uh, cholera, uh, and um, yeah. Anyways, That's impressive. Uh, about 100 years after that, right? And, and this was, study was taken about 2005, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, still kills around 2 million people a year. Okay. Uh, it's the eighth leading cause of death worldwide. Uh, so if you take those 2 million people, right? So where's my calculator at? All right. So we're talking like $400 million. $400 million? Oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> $400 million save 2 million lives. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, not bad. <laughs> On paper, it sounds great. Uh, probably oversimplifying a little bit, but yeah. Um, and obviously, it's a lot cheaper to vaccinate these people than treat the illness later on because that's going to be a lot more intensive. And then you got to think about all the people they're going to spread it to by having it. And so it just kind of multiplies that way. So obviously, preventative is the best kind of healthcare. <laughs> yeah, that's a absolutely. slogan. Um, but, but you got to pop a lot of money into this Obviously. and where exactly is it going to come from? Is it going to come from taxpayers? Is it going to come from wealthy philanthropists? Is it going to go into like some kind of like bank and then hopefully it gets distributed to the people that need it most? Like this is, these are, these are questions that, um, we all have to ask ourselves like, why in the world is this still happening? It shouldn't like, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Like if you, right. if you look at it from a utilitarian point of view, like, you should probably help those people out, right? That makes sense. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we you can think about uh, preventable illnesses that United States, with concerted efforts, was able to get rid of, such as polio with the March of Dimes, which was a awful disease that prevented people uh, from moving around the way they're supposed to, with the way that it uh, infected individuals, such as uh, President FDR. Uh, but we were able to say, hey, if we give all these people vaccines and prevent it we won't have to worry about it anymore it won't be here mm-hmm. so obviously it works it's a it's a good good staple example of like we had this disease it was everywhere we developed a plan to prevent it mm-hmm. people donated dimes now it's now it's more or less gone in america still other now places that, i think that's one of the one of those examples that you can point to that can lead us towards, at the very least, a conversation uh, to be able to to donate more monies to these causes. Mm-hmm. You know, like we need to pull our resources and fix malaria, fix AIDS. But when there is uh, a little bit of a different perspective involved, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps one of a bit of prejudice, it gets a little bit more complicated. Polio, for example, is not associated with any particular group uh that you know believes any particular thing it just it it affects usually children right yes um and uh it it does so somewhat randomly i think it does so in higher numbers in in lower income areas but once again you know preventative illness yep uh aids in particular is one of those that has had a tumultuous history you know throughout the 1980s and early 2000s and so on and so forth uh, because of it, it's seemingly targeting a very particular group of people. Absolutely. Specifically gay community and then also uh, African-American community in the United States. 
So it, it was so taboo that the the president of the United States, I can't remember who was the president at the time, I think even I think it might have been multiple presidents, didn't even want to acknowledge that it existed, didn't even want to like acknowledge that it was a thing, <laughs> as if like just like speaking its name would like, I don't know, make them pro-gay or something. I, I it's It's kind of, it's insanity, really. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about 1980 in particular, it's Jimmy Carter. Nah, Jimmy Carter's cool. It probably wasn't him. I don't know. Well, (laughs) he he might not have been. He might not have brought it up. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, a little bit less cool. uh, The guy that came directly after Jimmy Carter was Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm talking thinking about Reagan. um, Because probably in the early '80s, they probably didn't even understand what it was. Still at that point, and then once they did have a concerted understanding of what it was, Reagan is probably like, "Mm -mm, nope. Ain't gonna talk yeah. about it. Ain't gonna acknowledge it. Not a thing. Okay. We're not gonna That's allocate resources for it. They called it gay plague. Yeah. Pro- mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of people at the time too. They're like, "Good riddance. Thank God." Yep. <laughs> about time. Uh, there, are, there are some sects of religious communities, and I'm not saying that this represents religious communities as a whole. And there are a lot of uh, Christian communities in particular that denounce. Uh, the thought that God is punishing a certain group for oh, not absolutely. obeying the laws. Yeah. But I have heard, you know, reference. I mean, there's a there's a certain, uh, you know, logical approach similar to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible? Yeah. Jimmy? Yeah. Well, to to put it bluntly for all of our listeners, God just destroyed an area because they weren't doing what He wanted them to do, and that's that's pretty. Pretty much it. It's pretty much all of it. It's also where we get the term sodomy from. So, yeah. hmm. take that coincidence? I think not. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, uh, yeah. So some people, even in the modern day, believe that uh, HIV and AIDS are God's judgment, um, and that they are taking people out as a result of them disobeying His laws. But at the same time, just to point out, you know, good religious communities, there's a, an organization here in Louisville called House of Ruth that I, I think was uh, first created by a bunch of nuns. I think there was a Ruth in the Bible or something like that. And uh, today they, they help um, women and children that have HIV and AIDS find housing and get on their feet and support them. So obviously we're not talking about everyone just specific yeah. communities that do uh just, use just use disease as an excuse to <laughs> not pay yeah i think that's that's really what it is like there's always an ulterior motive it's not necessarily it's like oh well you know they're not doing the right thing so justice be delivered it's more so like how do i get out of feeling bad <laughs> oh yeah well that too <laughs> How do I completely ignore my responsibility to other human beings? Uh, well, I'll just use uh, I'll use my religion. That'll be easy. Oh, geez. What are what are some of the the scariest or deadliest diseases that you know of over the course of human history? Um. Well, there's you, there's obviously a difference between scary in the effects that it has on the individual and scary in the the numbers that it it affects. Uh, with the internet, I was able to look up things such as 10 worst epidemics in history. And this is from the worldatlas.com. And so according to them, the, the most deadly is going to be the plague of 
Justinian, which happened between 541 oh. to 542 AD in Constantinople within the Byzantine Empire, where it apparently was able to kill an estimated 100 million individuals over the course of two years, which is just like insane numbers. And so this is, as a plague, was very similar to the Black Plague, where mm. um, rats from Egypt that had this plague were infected and then fleas the what's that there were they the asian rat is that the it might uh it might have been the asian rat but somehow it, it made the correlation that it was uh the oriental rat flea in yeah, particular yeah because there was a lot of trade between there and egypt and other regions of the world so you have these different yeah. biological creatures cross contaminating which with each other and mm-hmm. then having these fleas that then bite the rat get infected and then go and bite humans and that's ultimately how it spread uh but people at the time had no idea what was happening Mm -hmm. so it was just utter and complete chaos yeah and and i don't even know what the world population was at the time but to have a hundred million people die in 541 a.d was no small feat that was an insane number of individuals Uh, yeah probably probably be like a, a significant chunk <laughs> yeah wow uh well speaking of killing significant chunks i mean you know most people like to mention the black plague it's uh it's actually a a, a spinoff if you will <laughs> from uh the plague that you just mentioned yeah uh, so is the the black plague that's used interchangeably with bubonic plague is yep. that right yes i've heard the two interchange. Okay, so that, that took place from 1347 to 1350. So over the course of three years, uh, 25 million people in Europe died, and that's about a third of the population. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, when it comes to a lot of these diseases, I feel like the more effective ones are the ones that don't have symptoms that are readily identified. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the scarier the symptom is, I think the more attention it's going to get in general. That's true. Uh, and, you know, not necessarily that it's a more effective illness at killing people, uh, but just like if you're coughing blood, people are going to be like, oh, dear God, like save that person. Like, yeah. please, like stop this madness. Uh, but if you're like slowly withering away from like a like a wispy cough, mm-hmm. it, you know, you, you might be dying a lot quicker and that virus might be, you know, still able to be communicated to other people. Uh, but it's it's not as dramatic. It's not as scary. Yeah, that's true. That makes a lot of sense. And there's that. But I I really I really dipped into this tuberculosis thing. I thought it was. Oh man, especially like finding out that it still kills so many people today. Yeah. I whenever I think about tuberculosis, I always think about Doc Holliday from Tombstone, who was also <laughs> a real individual. You wanna be my Huckleberry? <laughs> It's a. Uh, it's one of the older illnesses on here. It's apparently been around since ancient times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly how they figure out that it was around since ancient times, unless they can find, I guess, remnants of the disease still left in in skeletons or you know, decaying matter. Well, that's how they were able to um, identify that the plague of Justinian was a form of relation to the Black Plague. They were able to find remains from back then, and then somehow. I don't know how somehow figure out that oh this is a similar strain to that of the black plague blah blah bada bing bada boom 
oh, wouldn't it be weird if like all of these, you know, infectious diseases were caused by some kind of mutation that branched off and, you know, like had this very particular clade and, oh man, that would be weird. Like one, one, one random factor, just like, just tweet, tweet some kind of little, little bit of DNA or RNA and just like the fucked up generations of people for many, many hundreds of years to come. Well, just in general, like, well, once again, Tim and I are laymen, obviously, because I'm sure yep. this is going to sound stupid as soon as I say it. But like, back we're theater majors. Yeah, well, we're theater majors. We're damn <laughs> No, it's not true. We're very smart. Like bacterial and viral diseases, viruses, like this doesn't make sense. Like how there could be like this little tiny like living organism that like lives to just like destroy. Like maybe that's just the nature of the universe and entropy and living form. But it's just like, why does it even? exist like it just it just, i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me like where they come from why they exist because as we stated like some of these disease specifically like aids like didn't really uh, uh reach the world stage until the the 80s right and it's just like wh- why why god why yeah i i think this is one of the the best things to look at in terms of Okay, so there's this thing called the problem of evil. Have you ever heard of the problem of evil, Jimmy? No. It's this idea that, uh, you know, through the basis of deductive reasoning, uh, that there either uh, is a god that is, uh, you know, as typically is touted uh, in a lot of Judeo-Christian cultures, but he is nothing like they say he is because we have evidence of evil— that is apparent in our world, and this is this is commonly referred to as natural evils, okay. things that human beings didn't cause. You know, it's not like people are going around and killing each other. It's you know something like a hurricane or right. tuberculosis. It's like where do these things come from? It's like well, I mean, if if human beings didn't have anything to do with it, and there's a god that is omnipotent, omniscient, uh, omnipresent, and omnibenevolent, and all of these different omnis. Yet this evil still exists. One of those things has to not be true. Either he didn't see it coming, he doesn't have the power to stop yeah. it. He's not being, uh, you know, omnibenevolent because there are innocent people that are dying from it, including many, many small children. So I don't know. Like, yeah, figure it out. It's it's one of those uh, it's one of those common uh, secular arguments against religion, um, or I guess the you know the presence of a god. Uh, but it's it's absolutely terrible. Like, why do these things exist? Uh, maybe there is no why to it. Maybe it's just like, well, they are because they can. Yeah, they are because they can. It's it's like uh, Murphy's law. It's like any oh yeah yeah uh, anything that bad that can happen will happen. And I mean, I guess that's true. You you have a long enough timeline. All possibilities will ultimately reach their conclusions uh, and manifest, but. Ugh. Ugh. Like extensively drug resistant tuberculosis, is that, which is a type. Is that what we're? Yeah. <laughs> extensively drug resistant tuberculosis. Is, is that common? Um, I don't know how common it actually is. Um, it says it's uh, the true scale is unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are around forty thousand cases a year. And as of 2008, 49 countries had confirmed cases of XDR-TB. 
which kind of sounds like uh, like a four wheeler brand. XDR. <laughs> XDR TV. <laughs> Off road fury. Oh god. Ugh. It's so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so much. It, I'm just I can't because it just sounds so much like a uh, a, a shitty four wheeler. Um, I, I th- uh, so in terms of like some of these being just absolutely horrifying, um, they're they're they're. And I'm, I know I'm focusing on tuberculosis a little bit here, but it's just because it's it was one of those that um, was said to have had so much uh, of, a, of an effect on our culture and uh, not to mention certain writers. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, for example, uh, was thought to carry latent tuberculosis, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing where you just, you know, just walking around, you can transmit it to people, but you don't die from it. Oh, because didn't a bunch of his loved ones die from tuberculosis? Yep, and uh, it's it's thought that he was a carrier and he was killing off his family members by carrying it around to him. That that's so sad. It's like the it's like the bad form of Midas touch, right? You just like you don't get anything gold, you just get reap death and destruction. I thought the point of that story was that the Midas touch was bad, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, but you get gold stuff, dude. <laughs> but everything you touch is gonna be that, Tim. It's it's the story of, uh, you know, like the pitfalls of miserly behavior. Yeah, but his isn't even miserly behavior. It's just like everything you touch dies and decays. Like, I agree they're both bad, but if your choice was like, touch your cat, turn it into gold, or touch your cat and it starts coughing up blood, I think the choice is obvious. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yep. <laughs> coughing up blood. That's definitely worse than golden cat. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, okay, it is okay. You're right. For my analogy was shitty though. I'll I'll own up to it. Oh no no! It was, I think it was pretty great. Uh, I, I sometimes want to turn my cat into gold. I think it would be pretty great. Mm-hmm. I love my cat, but it's annoying sometimes. As cats are, it likes to wake me up at like seven o'clock on the dot every day because it's hungry. I, I I don't think it's hungry. Oh. Like we feed it at night. Yeah, but that's seven hours of not eating or whatever. Ugh. <laughs> cats, oh, no. cats are kind of nocturnal, aren't they? Uh, I, I don't know. Ours is kind of nocturnal. It stays up a little bit. Yeah. Are, th- are there any illnesses that uh, that cats carry specifically? Look it up. We need to know. Oh. This is what's really important. We're talking about the epidemics that have ruined and ravaged mankind since the beginning and still plague us today. But what we really needed to know are what cat-borne illnesses we should be worrying about. Oh man! So apparently there's a bunch. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, epidemic toxoplasmosis is one. Okay. Um, and this uh, occurred in uh, October of 1977. Okay. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, 37 people became ill with toxoplasmosis or had serologic evidence mm-hmm. by indirect fluorescent antibody test of acute infection with tos. Plus, oh my God! There's a bunch of big words in this abstract. Oh God! Oh Jeez. no! Jeez. Big okay. words. Uh, two of three adult cats were stable. Blah 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 blah. Um, All right, skip to the good part. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, dietary history tells us it's just saying that they're the, the source of the infection. So endemic toxoplasmosis is one. That's definitely something. Uh, and then you have zoonotic epidemic of sporotrichosis these are just like scary sounding i don't know if they're actually scary in practice but 
Sporotrichosis. On, on paper, it sounds like it would kill you in a video game. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. They take it right out. Uh, actually, let's, let's find out. Let's see. Sporotrichosis? Ah, there you go. A chronic fungal infection producing nodules and ulcers in the lymph nodes and skin. So that sounds pretty gross. Sounds awful. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I want that. The, so I feel like these things you're listing off are probably fairly rare. Like, a, like it's the kind oh, of okay. thing that like you would see on a house episode where they're just <laughs> like, oh god, what is this woman dying from? And house is like, let me take a bunch of pain pills and walk around and think about it. And then yep. he, and then he's like, all right. And then he sends his doctors to go break into their apartment. I love how they do that every other episode. <laughs> it's just like doctors don't fucking do that. And then they're like break into the apartment and be like, dear God, she has a cat. And then House would be like, cat, woman, sick, aha, skyrosis. You gotta treat this woman immediately or she'll die in the next five minutes. Like every episode. Oh, that was that was excellent, Jimmy. Thank you. Somebody hire this man. <laughs> I gotta. I can make a spinoff of a show that's already successful and no one watches anymore. That's great. I I would pick up that pilot. Except for I'll change it up. Instead of a man that has a cane, he'll be a man. No, it'll be a woman in a wheelchair. Ah, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a totally different show, actually. Different show. Mm-hmm. It's a different, different show. And they'll be in Canada. Yeah, and you can actually, like, take all the episodes and put them in reverse so she becomes a mass murderer instead. Yes. And, uh, and also, not addicted to drugs. Not mm. addicted to drugs. Yeah. Addicted just... to sex. Yeah. Because she's in a wheelchair. Yes. No way. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll make, we'll make wheelchair sexy. It's going to be great. Yeah, as if it's not already sexy. Am I right? Right. I'm right. Yeah, know all about that. <laughs> not, not disabled, different abled. That's right, differently abled in very interesting ways. <laughs> so, where what are we talking about, Tim? What are we what are we trying to about, get at? I'm talking about Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease, Jimmy. Yeah, let's talk about very niche illnesses that you'll never have to worry about. Take it away, Tim. All right, so for those of you that haven't heard of Kritzfeld jacob disease or CJD, is uh, absolutely terrifying. It was one of the scariest that I can find, uh, and it is a spinoff of bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Mm -hmm. Encephal encephalopathy. Mad cow disease, okay? Uh, and has some of the scariest symptoms. So just to rattle a couple off for you, it's rapidly progressive, so that's no good. Uh, you have dementia first, leading to memory loss, personality changes, and hallucinations. Mm. So absolutely terrifying. Uh, turn, turns you into a different person before it quickly just ravages your brain. So, uh, hmm. Yeah, other common features include anxiety, depression, paranoia, obsessive compulsive symptoms, and psychosis. So this is caused by uh, a prion, which is a misfolded protein, you know, much in the same way that mad cow disease is. And you get it by coming into contact with uh, gray matter that has already been infected with it. So uh, you can either do that by, I don't know, you know, carrying around mad cow disease ridden brains 
you know, I, I guess if you're like a like a cow brain shoveler for a living, <laughs> that's probably likely at some point. So wear your gloves and your face mask or something, you know, proper PPE uh, or uh, cannibalism. So don't eat people. Hmm? Yep. Sound- that's our PSA today. Don't eat people. Don't eat people and you won't get this terrible, terrible illness that will turn you into a different person, uh, make you see a bunch of terrible shit, and then kill you quickly. Didn't someone recently take like a foot home and feed it to their friends? Wait, did we already talked about that, didn't we? What, eating feet? Wait, did I talk about that with you? I can't remember who everyone I talked to. No, wait. So, tell me about it. So Who's there, there was this guy, it's happened recently, where for whatever reason he fucked up his foot so bad that the doctors were just like, we got to cut this off. There's like no way we're going to save this. This is going to cause more harm than good. We got okay. to cut off your foot. And the yeah. guy was like, all right, that's, that's fine. Yeah. I, I recognize my lot in life, but can I keep the foot? And for whatever reason... The doctor was like, you know what? Sure. Keep your foot. It's your foot. Who am I to say you can't have your foot? And apparently the dude took the foot home, put it in his freezer, went oh. went to his buddies and were like, hey guys, I got my foot in the freezer. How would you like me to cook up some of that? And apparently this guy had some buddies that were like, you know what? I always wanted to eat, human. Let's do it. And uh, that was the story of the of the foot. My mind is blown. Mind oh. equal blown. And, like, I feel like if you're going to eat any human body part, oh. the foot seems like the worst. Because that's, like, where all your body's toxins go through. Like, I know my feet don't look exactly great. And so it's just, like, all your gross sweat and everything just, like, goes out through there. And, like, I don't know. It just seems super gross. Oh, that's disgusting. But, uh, so, on a similar note... Uh, yeah, this is a weird turn. Yeah. Right, let's talk about cannibalism for a little bit. Uh, you got to. Armin Mayways, have you ever heard of him? No, but he sounds fun. So he's a guy that lived uh, in... Oh, so he was born in 1961. Uh, he still is alive, and he is still in prison. Mm-hmm. He's been in prison for about eight and a half years. Okay. Uh, so obviously he did something wrong. <laughs> Not necessarily, Tim. You can't just assume that. Yeah, you yeah. can't just assume that people in prison aren't. Um, so uh, Armin Mayways, he was a, a German computer repair technician uh, who gained uh, popularity in Germany for uh, killing and eating someone who volunteered that he found oh, on the internet. Oh, I think I have heard of this. Yeah. Didn't he like, put like, out an ad or something like that? And someone was like, yeah, yep. I'm down. Yeah, for a uh, like a, a well-built 18 to 30-year-old to be slaughtered and then consumed. Jesus. Uh, the website, there's a website for this. Uh, a blog site for people with cannibal fetishes, the Cannibal Cafe. Uh, why? Uh, once again, Murphy's Law, you know? Yeah. If you lit something, duh, it'll die. Jeez. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. But, hey, the guy responded... He showed up, uh, and um, even though the guy that he ate, uh, let's see, it was uh, Bernd Jürgen Armando Brandes, who was an engineer from Berlin. So apparently, he's a, a smart individual, right? Like you have to be pretty fucking smart to be an engineer. Well, well seasoned, I think, is a, a good way to put it. You know, he's a he's a well seasoned engineer. Uh, He's been curing for a while. So, so that's that's a good one. You know, 
nice to oh god uh anyways uh so yeah uh he apparently may have had some uh you know psychosis some type of illness <laughs> yeah as if that doesn't go without saying that you know the dude wanted to be eaten yeah. but hey it's his choice right you know I my guess. body my choice. yeah i, I guess i right uh, uh, uh. you're like cutting up and eating of stuff and sometimes they did it together which is kind of romantic i'm i don't get it um but that's okay some things i don't want to get so right. here you go uh last little thing to leave you with mayways ate the corpse over the next 10 months storing parts in his freezer under pizza boxes the fuck ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> 100 pizza boxes Ooh, he ate 44 pounds of the guy Nice. What the fuck? Yeah, that's that's something to find a silver lining to. Okay, so we <laughs> we kind of went in our own direction, as is per usual. Yep. So backtracking back to epidemics, things that could be preventable if we would work together and try to prevent them on a, a global uh, scale to prevent them from spreading. Uh, with all this in mind, what what is the silver lining with these epidemics? Um, hmm. So, uh, in case everybody hasn't noticed out there, we do not consider what the silver linings are prior to asking each other that question. Right. Even should. though we ask it every episode and we know what we're going to talk about, you know what, for whatever reason, we decide to wait right until we get asked. By each yeah. other. And, it keeps it fresh. And I usually try to ask before Tim asks me, so that way I can just say yeah. riff off of what he already says. But like, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> um, so I had to jump the gun before he did. All right. All right. So silver lining of epidemics or, you know, modern day diseases. I think that uh, in situations in which we are successful, that being the, 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 the key outcome. Mm-hmm. In the instances that we are able to prevent these diseases or overcome them, mm-hmm. uh, represents within humanity a certain uh, spectacular ingenuity and progress uh, that is something to be proud of. Right. Uh, for example, the the Robert Koch guy I was talking about. Uh, if it wasn't for you know people like this and the work that uh, people have developed from his discoveries. Uh, then a lot of these illnesses would still be a problem today. Uh, so we can point to people like that uh, and we can have something to aspire to uh, in terms of uh, those of you who happen to be in STEM careers, uh, people who are you know, working today on cures for HIV, AIDS, malaria, uh, you know, tuberculosis, <laughs> uh, all of these things that are still pertinent problems in our world today. Uh, the the silver lining is uh, human community, right? Like we we can we can right. come together, we can overcome anything over a long enough time scale, and right. it might not be working out right now, but eventually we hope to get there. Yeah, right? yeah. no, that's that's a really good point. I think that's a good silver lining that uh, we we are constantly developing new ways to treat these illnesses, and there are a lot of great people out there that are doing a lot of the groundwork 
trying to help these individuals and communities that are suffering from it. And a lot of these diseases, their overall percentages of growth are going down over time. There's still way too many people dying from these from these illnesses, but uh, it it does seem that we are headed in the right direction, however slowly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that is, uh, that's a good silver line. And as a, I guess it's a side topic. You know, it it would encourage us to research. Uh, you know various bacterias and, you know, the, look at microbiology in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has its own benefits, uh, not related to diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I happen to find myself in a field that relies very much on certain bacteria. Uh, and if that wasn't the case, if we didn't have that type of microbiology, uh, experience over the course of human history, my job would not exist. I would not know what I'm doing right now. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> because you know where to think about things. Yep. Um, yeah. So before we head out, uh, let's 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 bring it back home. A little, little bit of a, a little personal time. Is there anything that's making you sad, Jimmy? Uh, nah, dude. Everything is groovy. I've been, I love the summertime, so I'm just going to put that out there. I think I like everything about summer. I, the, I, I like, I mean, even just like sweating balls and being hot as shit. And <laughs> I just like the ability to go outside and it not be too cold. Um, so I've been a lot more physically active, which I think is super good for your mind and body mm-hmm. and wherewithal. Anything that's making me sad is on a geopolitical level, and I don't even feel like talking about it. Um, yeah, but the geopolitical, so like it's big stuff. Well, big. I mean, I feel like America is such a big player that anything happening within it or otherwise, it's it, all, all politics is global at this point. I feel like. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. There's going to be ripples across the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think uh, one thing that's making me sad in particular is is Anthony uh, Kennedy stepping down. That's right, giving uh, President Trump the power to choose who he wants to fill in that role is not the yeah. most exciting thing. Yeah, so for a, a significant portion of our lifetime, we're going to have uh, a conservative majority uh, Supreme Court right. in the United States, which is significant because these people serve. Yep. For life, and yep. any cases that get taken up to the Supreme Court become the law of the land. So that's fine. We've already seen uh, a lot of those, uh, you know, with uh, with the uh, inception of uh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, a lot of decisions have already been split five to four in favor of conservative policies, and which are depending on how you're looking at it. I mean, if you've been listening to our podcast long enough or you know Jimmy or I personally, you probably already know where we stand politically. Uh, in the future, I'm going to try to be better about you know, <laughs> being a little bit more moderate. Uh, yeah. But until that day, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of these cases are, are you know, backtracking progress. Uh, we expect that you know, one day we can look at all of these problems that are ailing our world and we can eventually come up with a cure for them, whether it be uh, an illness or, you know, public labor laws. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe one day, Jimmy. Maybe one day. 
maybe one day you never know i i just uh, i just try to remind myself that uh united states of america has always kind of operated in a pendulum kind of system where you know we go really hard one direction and then we go really hard the other direction it's always been a a back and forth so i try to remind myself of that it's never too late to change things and laws and laws and Supreme Court rulings get overruled and change all the time, so just uh, important not to give up hope and keep supporting the people that represent your best interest and stay informed. That's right. That's right. Well, I think that's uh, about it for our episode. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us. Um, In the future, uh, what do you think, Jimmy? We want to talk a little bit about this uh, this little mini-sode that we might be doing. Yeah, okay, that's Great point. So, uh, Tim and I, we've gotten some really great feedback already from you, the listeners, in email form. But some of the uh, feedback we've received is too long to just do a little shout-out on the show, given that Tim and I already like to ramble on uh, as much as we do about the subjects we talk about, we give ourselves for each episode. So instead of just uh, rushing over what you all, the listeners, have to say, once we've accumulated enough uh, listener responses to do uh, anywhere from 30 minute to an hour long episode to go a deep dive and uh, read what you have to say, we'd like to do uh, a listener response episode. So if you have something that maybe you're like, oh, I have like this really deep, you know, thing I want a communicator say to uh, Jimmy and Tim, but um, I I don't know whether or not they'll listen to it, respond or care. We just want to let you know that we do listen. We do care. We want to respond. We want to give what your thoughts and ideas and opinions and things you Mm -hmm. think we could do better. Otherwise, uh, a full fledged response so be sure if you have something you'd like to say, uh, email us at uh, cynicempowerment at gmail.com or you can even send us a message on Facebook at our uh, our Facebook page, which is Cynic Empowerment. And we would love to hear what you have to say and uh, reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally there with you, Jimmy. Um, so, yeah, build this community with us, guys. We're looking forward to hear what you have to say. Uh, where else can you find us? Uh, did we already mention the, so mention on, on Facebook, you can message us there. Yep. Uh, you can message us of course on the email that, that Jimmy just gave you. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look forward to that, that mini Yeah. I know we are. Uh, so I think that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today and try and do your best and keep your head up. Yeah, keep your head up, everybody. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.